We're beginning a new teaching series today. You might have gathered that from the Bible readings, which were not from um, John's Gospel, which we've been studying since September time. Um, we're starting a, a new series that will run from now till the end of June, probably in, in about six parts. And it's going to be on the subject of church, and we're going to call it Life Together. Um, I better come clean straight away. If you're a, a reader of theology, you'll know that that's uh, a title that I have pinched from a German theologian of the 30s and 40s, uh, 1930s and 40s, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've preached on church a number of times over the years in Kirkpatrick, so I thought I'd tell you this morning what uh, approach I'm going to take and where we're going to go with all of this. We're going to begin this time from the grassroots um, and build up a picture of church from first principles. So we're going to go to God's Word and see uh, what it says about uh, some very fundamental questions. We're going to look at answers for questions like, what's church for? How do we be the church? What's the big deal about sharing life together? Those are the places we're going to go in the first half of the series, uh, trying to answer those kind of questions. And then in the second half of the series, we're going to try and take what we've learned there in God's Word and apply it quite, um, quite directly into the life of our congregation to see um, what God's Word might have to say to us as Kirkpatrick Memorial in 2013. So that's uh, the direction in which we want to go. Okay, so let's begin with the first of those questions that I raised, um, and I want you to think about that question for a second. And the question is, what's church for? Okay, I, I really want you to think about that. I know some people would rather die than think in church, but today's the day when we're going to think. So you're sitting there and you're thinking, so what's this all about? Why do we come here? What's the point of church? And you'll have answers uh, coming in your mind. Whenever I've asked people that question in the past, some answers have commonly come up. So somebody, or, or maybe a lot of people, will say it's for worship. Um, the church exists to worship God. And I don't think we'd want to disagree with that. Somebody else will say, discipleship. Um, that's, that's what the church is about. It's about building people up and learning to follow Jesus together. Somebody else will say fellowship. It's about the way in which we share life, um, the way we look out for each other, love each other, care for one another. Somebody else will say, no, the most important thing is evangelism. It's, it's about taking the good news out from the church. It's not about inside, it's about outside. Somebody else will say, well, actually, it's about what we do more than what we say. It's about putting into action the, the love of Jesus Christ. It's social action. And somebody else will say, no, the church's main responsibility is to teach the Bible, to make sure that people know God's word and know what's on his mind or his heart. Hands up if you had any of those or, or any different wording of those ideas in your mind. Hands up. Okay? 
Well done. Hands up if you had other things in your mind that didn't appear up here. A few people? Okay. So, this, I think, is very interesting. When we ask a question, what church is for, um, we come up with a lot of good answers like this and other answers that aren't here on the screen. And I think that's great because it gives us a sense that that people do think a little bit about what church is for. Although it's great that we have so many different ideas. You know what's not great? That we can't agree. I don't mean we don't agree and that we're fighting about this, but there's no consensus here of what the point or the purpose of church is. Some of us have been doing church for a very long time, uh, maybe most of our lives, and it's quite a thing to, to say to ourselves, you know, we've been doing this all our lives, but we don't really know what the point is. Wow. There seem to be a lot of things that you do in church, but we don't really know what the, what the main thing is. So tell me this. How likely is it that we're going to do well as a church if we don't know what church is for? How likely is it that we're going to please and honor God if we can't live out his purposes for us because we don't really know what they are? Not very, I would guess. So it's important, I think, and I hope you agree, that that we work out what church is is for. And to try and work out what church is for, uh, we've, we've had a stab ourselves and we've come up with a bit of a uh, a stew of ideas to try and let's let's try a different approach and that is to, to ask God Lord you tell us what church is for um, if it's your thing if it's your body of people then why don't you tell us and we listen and fall in line with you so I told you we're going to try and think today and um, I, I promise I won't do this again in a hurry okay we'll call it an experiment a one-off Grab your Bible there, and we're going to look up some passages today. So we're not stuck in one passage. We're going to try and build up a picture. And the first place I want you to flick to is um, chapter 12 of Genesis on page 13. So we tried to answer the question, what's church for? And we came up with a lot of different answers. Now we're going to go to God's Word to see what God's purpose for the church is. Chapter 12 of Genesis, page 13, this is where the story starts. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, God called a guy who was probably worshipping the moon at the time, a guy called Abram, from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And here's what God says to him, Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's where the story starts. The story of the people of God. So God chooses one guy, and he says to this guy, I'm going to give you a family, a really big family, a nation of a family. And they're going to be a blessing to the whole world. 
That's how the story starts. And of course, when we read that, we read that and say, yeah, that's finally and fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's a descendant of Abraham. He's a blessing to the world. But, but let's not go there yet. Let's not read the story backwards. Let's read it forwards. So God's chosen a people, and he wants his people to be a blessing to the world. So, so God's people are to be a blessing to the world. Flick with me now to Exodus 19 on page 76. Exodus 19. This is one of the passages that Trevor read for us a moment ago. I'm taking you to some of the the highlights here. This is Match of the Day, okay? The Bible in 15, 20 minutes. So this is a... That moment we just looked at there is God calling Abraham. That's a huge moment in the Bible. And this is the, another huge moment in the story of God's dealing with his people. Exodus 19. The people have been in Egypt. They've been rescued from Egypt. They're just about to receive the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Look at verse 4. Exodus 19, verse 4. God says to the people, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. How I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, If you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is 500 years roundabout after Abram. Okay? God's saying to his people, Under Abram, I called you to be my special possession. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what that actually looks like. And he adds these two new things. He says something about a holy nation. What does holy mean? I don't think we understand this word very well. We've probably killed it dead with religion. Holy means different. So God was saying to his people simply this. I want you to be different than all the other people around you. Why? So that you can show the world what I'm like. Okay? So you're different so that the world can see what I'm like. Because you're my people. You represent me in the world. And he says you're to be a kingdom of priests. There's a good Protestant word. And we use it all the time. People ask you in work, who's your priest? And you say, a guy called Christoph. No, we don't use that word. But it's a great biblical word. What does a priest do? A priest brings the word of God to the people and brings the people to God. That's what the priest does. Goes between God and the people. Do you see what God's saying here to Israel? The whole lot of you together, usins, are a priest for the world. You're to be the people who, who bring me to the world and bring the world to me. So we're beginning to fill out this picture of what God wants from his people. And maybe we can add to our slide. God's people are to be a blessing to the world and to show the world what God is like. If you read on in Exodus after the, the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 20, there's, I, I always think it's quite funny. Um, up until from Genesis 1 to Exodus 20, 
the Bible's quite easy to read. I don't know if you've ever tried this, maybe on our Bible reading plan here in church. They're full of all the good stories and stuff. And, and after that, my goodness, bang, you hit this brick wall. It's chapter after chapter of laws about all sorts of things. And you sort of wonder, well, what, what's the point of that? What's the purpose? But if you read the laws carefully, they say some brilliant things. So it says things like, take care of widows who live in your community. Take care of any foreigners who cross your path. Look out for the needs of the poor. So the God who chooses the people and says, you're my holy nation, then tells them, this is how you do it. By living this way, by taking care of the poor and of the widow and of the foreigner and any other vulnerable person in your midst. Now, the truth is, for the most part, God's people just didn't do it. If you know the Old Testament at all, you'll know uh, that they weren't a kingdom of priests or a holy nation. But there are wee glimpses, wee moments, when they got it right. Do you remember the story of Ruth? Maybe you do from Sunday school. I, I never knew what the point of the story of Ruth was. It was this really nice four-chapter story in the middle of some pretty grim stuff in the Bible. I didn't really get it. By now, I think I understand it a little bit better. Boaz, think of the character Boaz in the story of Ruth. He's a man of Israel, one of the people of God. So he lives under God's law, which says what? It says, take care of foreigners. Look after widows. Take care of the poor in your midst. What's the story about? The story is about Naomi returning from the land of Moab destitute and bumping into Boaz. And Boaz encounters her as a widow. And he says, do you know what? I'm going to take care of this widow. And this widow has brought with her a, a foreigner called Ruth from the land of Moab. And he says, do you know what? I'm going to make sure that this foreigner is welcome in our community and not left to suffer. And both of these women, Naomi and Ruth, are are poor. And Boaz says, as long as I have wealth at my disposal, these two will be all right. Boaz simply keeps law. He simply does the stuff that God wants all his people to do all the time. And it's beautiful. And it shows the world how beautiful God is when his people live for him. Flick with me. Let's keep moving forward quickly in this story. Exodus, or sorry, Isaiah chapter 60 on page 746. Page 746, Isaiah 60. So we've already said and we've told the story of Boaz, there are isolated moments when God's people get it right, but but by and large they fail spectacularly. And just when you're thinking that God's going to write them off and say, I'm done with my people, he sends the prophets. And the thing I love about the prophets is that they talk about God's purposes in language even more beautiful than has ever been used before in the Bible. So so look at that uh, passage there. 
in Isaiah 60. God says to his people, Arise, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kingdoms to the brightness of your dawn. The reason God chose Israel is that they might be light in a dark world. Isaiah uses that image a number of other times. God's people are supposed to attract people to God like like moths are attracted to a flame. It's supposed to be irresistible. There's supposed to be a missional magnetism about the lives of God's people. That's what we are called to be and to do. So God's purpose for his people is to be a blessing to the world, to show the world what God's like, and to attract people to God. Let's keep going with this epic story, because it it reaches its climax, as you might expect, with Jesus coming. Uh, Turn with me to John chapters 8 and 9. Sorry, the page number is 1073. Do you see what Jesus says there in John chapter 8, verse 12? When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And then chapter 9, verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you see what's going on here? If you read those verses without what we have just done in the last 10 minutes, they're they're quite nice. It's a nice idea, light of the world. Yeah, that sounds nice. You know, that sounds like a good thing to have on your T-shirt or whatever. It's much, much more than that. Jesus is reaching back to the Isaiah prophecies. He's reaching back to everything that's gone before about the people of God, and he's saying, I'm it. I'm fulfilling all of that. Everything that God called Israel to be, I'm I'm fulfilling it. It's like he's taking the the mantle. Israel had failed to be the, the light of the world in the way that God had called them to be. It's like Jesus is saying, actually, that, that, that was always waiting for me. And he puts it on. I am the light of the world. Well, well Christoph, you might say, that's, that's all very interesting. That sounds like just the kind of talk we'd expect from a guy who spends too much time reading theology and studying and stuff like that. doesn't really help me with my Monday to Saturday. And it doesn't even answer the question you've been talking about Uh, What's the point of church? What's church for? Flick with me to one last well-known passage, Matthew chapter 5. This is part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. 
a time when Jesus spoke to his earliest followers. Matthew chapter 5 on page 969. And if you run your eye down to verse 14. Now Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says this. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Did you see that? Jesus, the same Jesus who says, I am the light of the world, I've put on the mantle. He then turns to his followers and says, but actually, you are the light of the world. Everything that we've just been talking about, everything that Israel was supposed to be for the world, it now falls on a new community of people. It's a people made up of Jews and non-Jews together. It's people who follow Jesus Christ. They now, says Jesus, are the light of the world. This story that I've been telling this morning, this whole story of God's people in the Bible is so important because it's our story. This is who we are. This is uh, what the church is for. And so we're back to our our big question uh, that we asked and, and this answer here, slide number 13 of this presentation. This is my best stab at putting it all together, what we've thought about here today. What's the church for? The church is to bless the world by following Jesus Christ wholeheartedly and allowing his beauty to attract people to him. That's what church is for. We're to be showing people in Ballyhackamore how brilliant it is to live under the kingship of Jesus. So that they come and say, we want to live for that king too. We're nearly done. Can I take you back to that slide there? Those many and diverse purposes that we started with. They're not bad. At least they're not awful. They're, you know... They're not wrong, at least not completely wrong. But we could do these things and still not be living out God's purpose for us. What do I mean? I think we could worship here in ways that we quite enjoy. But if nobody else ever got to see that, they they wouldn't then be drawn to the king. And we wouldn't be fulfilling our purpose. We could talk a lot about discipleship, but if we didn't make the connection that a disciple of Jesus is a light of the world to be drawing people to Jesus, then we wouldn't be fulfilling our purpose. And and, and then we talk about fellowship. If, if If we said to ourselves, let's commit ourselves to loving one another and sharing life together... But if that was all about us and having a nice time together, we'd still be missing our purpose. 
Because our purpose is to bless the world. Our purpose is to be priests who go between God and, and the world. I could go on, but maybe the point is becoming clear to you. We, we'll still want to do these things, all of them. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's not a, a bad bullet point on the board there. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to bless the world by following Jesus Christ and allowing his beauty to attract other people to him. There's a phrase in our contemporary corporate language, mostly uh, is where it's used, that I think might be a good place to finish this morning. And it's the phrase, fit for purpose. You've probably heard it. Um, some people are smiling. The more, the more corporate people are smiling, and I feel sorry for you. That was one of the great releases for me to get out of my job in the big accounting firm, was to get out from under corporate language. It's so much nonsense, it's hardly true. But fit for purpose? That's a, a reasonable idea, isn't it? That anything or any activity in life should be measured against its purpose? So our question and the journey that we want to start uh, to go on a little bit more is this question of whether we're fit for purpose. If, if this is our purpose and we're beginning to understand that, then we want to be opening ourselves to God and saying, Lord, teach us more about that. We want to be praying and saying, Lord, the reason we don't do this is because it daunts us. This is a lot harder than just running a wee church on the Newtonards Road. Will you help us? Will you come and empower us by your Holy Spirit and make us into these kind of people? But that, that's our purpose. And we want to be thinking together the next while and praying that more and more God will make us fit for his purposes for us. Let's pray. Father God, it's an eye-opening moment for us when we realize how rarely we ask the question, what's the point of all this? How rarely we ask you that question, Lord, what are your purposes for us? Lord, thank you for the, the very consistent thread in your word that says that you call us and you choose us to be a people who show your beauty to the world. Lord, if we never have understood that before, we pray that it would begin to bed into our hearts and our minds and our souls today. We pray that whenever we talk about church life here together, when we're in a committee or a Kirk session or any other meeting, and we're trying to work out what to do and who to be, we pray that this will govern our thinking. Lord, we want to be the people that you want us to be. And we know we need your help. So we pray you'd come. We haven't a clue how to do this. 
we aren't doing it well. But we believe that as we humbly offer ourselves to you, as we open ourselves to your spirit, that you can use us. You can do incredible things through us. You can draw all sorts of people into your kingdom. If only we honor you. So help us, we pray. Amen.